Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 21 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. We're back after a two-week break, and I'll explain here in a bit why that was, but we're happy to be back. And we got some catching up to do, so on this episode, we're going to discuss news and notes from the past two weeks, and we also took some questions from the Baseball 365 Facebook group to answer. Now, let me introduce my co-host, Andrew McQuist. And Andrew, how you doing, man? Doing good. Been a little bit. It's been a bit. It's nice to finally be back recording. I'll explain in a bit why I was gone last week, and we were hoping to get one late this past week, like on Friday. And then I think you got hung up at work Friday, and then I got hung up on Saturday. So here we are Sunday afternoon, finally getting a recording in. And if you're wondering about the vacation part i actually went up to iowa this past weekend to go see family but in the middle of this i got to drop off a bucket list item for my lifetime that i had which is going to wrigley i met up with andrew and a couple of his buddies bob rag and paul tam lifelong buddies of andrews and we all went and saw the cubs cardinals in wrigley this past saturday and that was a treat yeah it was a lot of fun had a good time. It was the game with Darvish and Waka, where it was a 6-5 score, I think is how it ended. It was a real fun game. Um, cards jumped out to a 5-1 lead off Darvish when the Cubs' backup catcher, Taylor Davis, came on in the first pitch in the fastball to tie it. And it was scoreless till a Javi Baez home run in the bottom of the eighth, and that was the difference, 6-5 score. And... Andrew, I hadn't heard of Taylor Davis before this game. When I saw he was playing, I think I even asked during the game, well, where's their regular backup? And I couldn't remember his name, but Victor Caratini, is that how you say it? Yeah, Caratini, yeah. He was out with an injury, so Davis was in. And you showed me a great YouTube video on him during the game. And share with the guy listeners what that's about. Yeah, it's just a funny video of him in the minors. Like, he has... Uh, sixth sense of like where the camera's at so he would always um no matter where he was on the field or whatever he would turn on look at the camera and uh, i'm sure some people out there have seen it it's you can youtube it but it's pretty funny yeah if you haven't seen it it's worth it watching for a good laugh and i'm going to try to remember at the end of the show when i'm entering the show notes to get that in there get the link so if you go check the show notes you should be able to have the youtube link to go straight to it. Uh, my next question, we're gonna. T- I want to ask about Darvish because it was a rough one in that game, and I, it's, it's been a rough couple weeks stretch for him. And I know, I think I've asked you about him before, Andrew, but I think even before the game, Bob Rag told us that Darvish was going to walk five batters, and that's exactly what he did. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, he was also sending pitches to the backstop. It, it was rough. The guy is really having a problem locating, and I know you and I both said before the year, I, I think we were saying on Darvish, it's a matter of just being healthy, and it's been rough. He just can't seem to find the strike zone. So, as a Cub fan, do you think he'll get through this? Do you think he'll, there's some light at the end of this tunnel? Man, it's kind of hard to say. I, the The biggest problem right now, I feel like, is just the fact with all the walks like the last the last start that he just made uh, a few days ago I want to say he walked 6 and he actually pitched good other than that I mean like he gave up one run I think he had 7 Ks 
I mean, like the rest of the line besides the walks was good. Obviously, the walks were terrible. But um, the problem with that over time is just how much you're taxing the bullpen. I mean, his pitch counts just get elevated so high that he's out of the game early. I mean, it's hard for him to even get through five innings right now. So it's really bad with the walks. I, I don't know. It might just be a slight adjustment that could be corrected, but it's been pretty consistent here too. So it's tough. He's been pretty bad. I think I was hearing Paul Spore talk about it on the Sleeper in the Bus podcast about the home runs being up, and that shouldn't even be a surprise because headers are kind of just sitting back on fat meatballs because they can because he's just not locating him well enough to where if he can just get that figured out, I think everything else will fall in line. And I'd still be holding on if I was a fantasy owner, but I definitely wouldn't be playing him until I saw two or three starts in a row of him showing some better command. Yeah, it's been rough, like I said. Got to get rid of some of those walks because it just – I think it's like over eight walks per nine, and it's just ridiculous. The game was a bucket list for me. It was a bucket list item for me. It was I wanted to see the Cardinals, Cubs, and Wrigley, and it met all my expectations. It was a blast. Even though the Cardinals lost, you know, I love seeing my team win, but it was almost – a good thing that they lost because I got to hear something really cool at the end of the game that I didn't even realize happened. And that's the Cubs have a post game ritual if they win a game. And there's this song, a great song that plays that the entire stadium sings along. And I was just sitting there video recording it as it was going on and smiling because I thought it was so neat. And I managed to get that video into audio format. So if you're not familiar with this song, here it is right here. There it is.
That is awesome. I love that, Andrew. <laughs> I had no idea they sang that. Yeah, it's it's funny to me that like someone doesn't know, but it, it's only because it's so familiar to me. You know, mm-hmm. I go to Cubs games every year, and they've been playing it for a while. I I don't know exactly how long they've been playing it at the games, but I want to say I've heard it even back to like. 10 to 12 years ago, maybe. I know the song is actually, the song itself is actually a, a good bit older than that. But um, yeah, they've been playing it for a while. So it's funny to me to hear somebody say they haven't heard it. It's catchy. Just this past week, probably three to five times, it's caught my, it's gotten in my head and I'm just sitting there. Go Cubs, go, go <laughs> Cubs, go. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs are going to win today. It just gets stuck in there, and I'll be hearing it, and I'll just start singing along. My wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, everybody, so, get, everybody gets into it. That's one of my bucket list sports items. Do you have any of those, Andrew? Um, Like, as far as things I'd like to do? Yeah. Like, uh, I would say my number one for baseball that I haven't done is I want to sit on top of the green monster at Fenway Park. That yeah. would be no, that's number one. I I can get behind that. I, I I we were talking about that before, and you mentioned the green monster, and that going to Fenway was on my bucket list, but I hadn't thought about getting monster green monster seats. And yeah, that yeah. that's a must too. There's not there's not too many of them, I don't think. I, mm-hmm. I there's only a few rows up there. But I can't uh, imagine yeah. how much those cost. Oh, I'm sure they're a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I that's definitely definitely my number one for baseball that I haven't done. Well, what about non baseball? You said you got you do you have some of those? Um not really off the top of my head. I mean Everybody would like to go to the Super Bowl, I guess, but it just mm-hmm. seems kind of seems kind of out there. One thing that I enjoy a lot is the Masters, the golf tournament. But I'm yeah. not sure if I'm not sure I lo- I like it a lot. I'm I'm not sure if I would like being there. I think I would, but then parts of me isn't sure because it's so easy to watch it on TV, like to know what's going on. So I don't know, but yeah, Fenway for sure. I, something I need to do. I Fenway's my other baseball one, and I'm a Packers fan. And going up to Green Bay to go see a game in Lambeau is definitely on my list. But outside of that, I don't even have like the Super Bowl. It doesn't sound that great to me to go to a Super Bowl. Really, in the grand scheme of things, it would be. I'm I if it had the opportunity was there, I'd go. But it's not one of those things. I feel like I have to do. Yeah, probably not for me either. I was just trying to come up with things off the. Top yeah. of head. I guess maybe maybe if like your team was in it or something, but yeah, that'd be different. I think that would be a really cool experience. That's a good point. Yeah. So the night before that Cubs game, Andrew, you got to do something else really cool. And why don't you tell the listeners about what you were doing the night before? I uh, I went to Peoria, Illinois. It's about. Two and a half hours, roughly, from here, from where I'm at, and saw Wander Franco and Nolan Gorman. Ooh, those are two big name prospects on the in the low minors. I mean, I don't know how many 
names there are that are that big in the low minors right now as those two. That must so tell us about it. Yeah, so I was just, you know, scoping out the schedule because I was off those few days and um I was just looking around. I generally look to like South Bend and Fort Wayne because they're in Indiana and I just have I've been looking for Wander like to be in the area because I know he's in the Midwest League. But and he's on Bowling Green, which is down in Kentucky. So I was kind of, I mean, I don't. It's too. It's far for me to go down to Kentucky, you know. So I was just kind of looking to see when he'd be in the area, and I noticed it was Peoria. Looked, like I said, two and a half hour drive. So just made the short trek over there and uh, saw the game. It, it was a lot of fun. I mean, got there. They opened the gates about an hour before the game. So a little bit different than like an MLB game, but um, yeah, just got down by the field, close to the players, and uh, watched the game. It kind of it kind of sucked that they went, uh, they both went all for four. <laughs> um, but y- you can see it, you know. It's like it. They they just have that look, like Gorman specifically, just looks like a beast. I mean, I was telling you that. Um, the day we went to the Cubs Cardinals game, like if they, if we were just sitting there at Cubs Cardinals at Wrigley and Gorman was standing at third base right now for the Cardinals, he wouldn't look out of place. Like he is a big person he's just, and he's going to grow into his body. You know, he's going to be huge. I mean, but yeah, the the stuff that you hear about the swing and miss, it was all there. I think he was I want to say 0 for 4 with 3 Ks. So, no. yeah, he chased some bad pitches and, you know, what happened. He did lace one down the line. It was um, just barely foul, would have, would have been a double. And as far as, uh, as far as Wander, I mean, made a couple nice plays in the field, makes contact with everything. I mean, everything that you read is pretty on point. I would have liked to see him get a couple hits and see him motoring on the base pass, but. It was it was fun all around. It was it was a good time. Now, you missed the coolest part about this, and that is, you showed up with a souvenir, or at least you got yourself a souvenir while you were there, didn't you? Yeah, I'm I'm generally not a big autograph guy, but I got there an hour before the game, and I was like, why not try? So I just grabbed me a ball and went down there. I got uh, Gorman to sign. It's just a Peoria Chiefs ball, you know, the local team, the team that Gorman plays for. Got uh, Gorman to sign it before the game and Wander to sign it after the game. So it's pretty cool. That is fantastic. Man, that could turn into a real fun thing to own here in a few years. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, ho- cool to own now, but. Yeah, hopefully it's, hopefully it's worth something someday, but I guess you we'll, have, uh, we'll find out. You'd have two superstars on there. So, okay, well, we're going to get on to talking about some news and notes for the last few weeks. There's been a lot of it, trying to get mostly the main stuff going on. And the first subject I thought we'd discuss is Nick Senzel, who was called up by the Reds last week to make his much-anticipated Major League debut. And it's been a mixed bag for him so far, and this is through about, I think, Thursday or Friday. I I put these stats in, so they're a couple days out of date, but he was hitting right around 200 with a really close to a 300 on base percentage. But here in the early going, I think there's bad luck to that. When I was looking and digging at the numbers, you know, we've only got about 10, 12 games of data, but 
He's hitting the ball hard, and he's sporting a BABIP under 200. And he's walking 13% of the time, and still has three homers and a steal. So, Andrew, how much of Senzel have you gotten to see so far, and what are your impressions of him? Oh, I've seen a little bit. I've got him on on one of my redraft teams, so I've been trying to catch some of his at-bats. Seems like he's going to be a good all-around player. I mean, just good, not great at everything. It's uh, good to have those guys around. The nice part about him is position eligibility. I was looking at his his player profile on Fantrax, and I saw he already has eligibility at shortstop and third base. And he should have outfield eligibility within next week. He may already have it. And that's hard to find in fantasy league. I think his 10th game in the outfield is today. I'm pretty sure. I looked that this means, morning. I, I looked this morning. I think he was at nine. That means in weekly lineups tomorrow, they could plug him at shortstop, third base, or outfield if you're in a weekly league. That's pretty nice. With that, is he already with knowing that you know he's got the pedigree, he's up, he's showing pretty well so far? Would you consider him a top hundred player already, or am I being too optimistic? Uh, yeah, I heard, I heard that mentioned it on another podcast. I think it's about right. Yeah, right around there. I think going forward for the rest of the season. How I could be missing something, but how is he shortstop eligible anywhere? I have no idea. I have no idea. He was playing I'm second looking, base last I knew, second yeah, and third. So the league I have him, it's, it's an NFBC league, and he was eligible at second base. That's it. And now, you know, he'll be eligible at second base and outfield. I've seen in a couple of leagues on fan tracks, I think the dynasty leagues, I don't, I don't own them, so I, but I think that's what I was looking at. It was third base shortstop. And I just remember thinking, I'm looking right now at his game log for fielding throughout the whole minors. He played one game at shortstop. Gee. So it's something quirky in the rules where that's so weird. But I swear, I, th- I saw that the one day, and I had to blink like three times to make sure my eyes weren't playing tricks on me. I, I, I was just like, how is Nick Senzel eligible at shortstop? But, but yeah, I think, I think he's a good all-around player. I mean, I think he's going to contribute across the board. You know, just solid production. So I just looked up ESPN. I thought I'd go see where he's eligible on ESPN right now. Second base, only position. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That I just thought it was weird. I third base makes a little more sense to me because that's what he was when he was drafted, and that was kind of always his position from the beginning. But he was never a shortstop. <laughs> that's uh, no. just funny. So we'll play a him or him game with Senzel. I'm just going to pull up some players here, and who would you rather have between these guys? Sinzel, rest of season, or let's see, Robinson Cano, who's off to a tough start. Uh, I would probably take Sinzel. I agree. What about D. Gordon? Off to a good start. Um, I mean, a team need thing there. Mm-hmm. Probably Gordon, but, you know, if... I, I think Gordon's probably a little more valuable with the with the running. It's just there's not many guys like that. I, there's yeah. just not. There's just not. 
So if he's going to be doing that, you know, it's, I think he's a little more valuable, but if you're, you know, it's team construction thing there, I guess. What about Will Myers moving on to the outfield? Uh, I think I'd take Senzel. I think so too. Yeah. And it's pretty close though. Which that's Will Myers, one. his ADP was 103. I saw his name. I was like, that's a good one. That is a real yeah. fitting one. So yeah, I think it I'd sounds like Senzel. he's right at the border. The hundred. Yeah. Okay. Next up is Shohei Otani. After having Tommy John surgery last fall, Otani is back as a full-time DH for the Angels. He started the first few games for the Angels, so it doesn't look like he's being eased back much. I think today, Sunday, he's taking his first game off. And Andrew, we're close to the quarter part of the season right now. I think we're right at that, so there's about 120 games left. What If you were owned Otani, what kind of numbers would you be projecting for him for the next Hundred, let's say he plays 110, 115 games. How about you give yours, and I'll tell you if I would over or under him. Because I'll tell, I'll be honest with you, I have such a hard time with him. I don't. I I think about it, and I don't even know what to project. I just don't know. I don't think he's going to play. You know, like 120 games or whatever. I mean, there's going to be more games where he isn't in the lineup. Plenty yeah. of them. I, uh, plenty of them, I would think. Every national but league park. He, yeah, yeah, and there'll just there'll be another point in the season, I'm sure, where they're resting, rehabbing, or something. I I just don't believe he's going to be in there regularly from now till the end. I could still see a hundred games the rest of the way, but in doing so, looking at Steamer before the year, just looking at his page, they had him projected for. 19, 91 games played, 19 home runs, seven steals. And I, I think most of what they have there sounds about right to me for what I'd be safely trying to project, which is, you know, 19 homers, seven steals, 264 batting average, 348 on base. I think all of that, even before I looked, I think that would have been the range I was at 18 to 20 home runs and chip in maybe 10 steals i would have been a little higher on the steals maybe i'm over, being overly optimistic given he's still re- rehabbing an injury but i think that's a ballpark range yeah i i think i would uh i think i would under the homers but yeah yeah but he could do it i mean if if he plays throughout i don't know i just have a feeling he's he's not going to be in there the rest of the year it's just a personal thing, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. So, again, I'm going to do a him versus him here as I pull up the ADP for outfielders. So, <laughs> I just got, I've scrolled down to number 31, so I'll just start off with him. Shohei Atani or Malik Smith? <laughs> okay, that's not fair. <laughs> um, let's see here. Andrew McCutcheon, that's a good one to start with. Or Otani? Uh-huh. McCutcheon. Hmm. I love McCutcheon going into the year. I think that one's close to a push for me. Um, Aaron Hicks, who's just returning from the DL. I think he's supposed to be back Monday, if I recall. Hicks. Hicks? Okay. So I need to scroll. keep scrolling down. Uh, Ian Desmond? 
gotten Ugh. hot lately. Yeah, I know. That one's that that's better at least. I I makes me pause. It'll really just come down to basically what you're doing with that is just predicting Rocky's playing time, which good luck with that. I mm-hmm. it's just so hard to say. I would probably I I'd probably take Desmond. Okay. But so it's still- it's not by much. it's it's right there. It's close. All right. Well, I think well, let me move down to 43, out, outfielder 43, which was Nomar Mazzara. <sighs> you know how I feel about him. What, how do you <laughs> I, feel, I mean, how do you feel about these guys? I, um, I'm taking them over, Desmond. I'm really close on Kutch. So I think I'm taking them above these guys, taking them above Mazzara. I'm a little higher on him than you are, I think. But I mean, we're not talking huge, yeah. number, huge way off. Just a couple round difference here. Yeah, I feel like most people are higher on him than me. But yeah, that's all right. You know, I I do recognize the ability. I totally get that. It's just like other factors for me with the. I just don't know how it's going to be in like August if they're kind of falling out of it, and he needs to do some rehab or, you know, rest or whatever. I just, I don't know how it's going to affect him deep into the mm-hmm. season. And it may not affect him at all, in which case he could outproduce all these guys. I mean, that's wouldn't surprise me. No, I, I don't remember exactly where, but I remember hearing, I think you're the one that clued me in on it, that on a podcast, somebody said if he had full time at bats for a full season, they thought he had the upside to be a 40, 30 type hitter. And that is some serious optimism right there. And I'm not saying they're wrong. No, nobody really knows, but there are people that really like him out there. He's just, he's, and he's not, he's not really hitting lefty. He hasn't really hit lefties either. Yeah. So that's the other thing that plays into it with me. It, it's a combination of things, but yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he outproduced those guys we named. I mean, no. I saw you had I saw you had Fran Mill on the on the list too. I would definitely take Fran Mill over him. Yeah, I don't. Let's see, Fran Mill. Where? Yep, he was down there. What about Jock Peterson? I think Fran Mill's going to hit like thirty plus, maybe thirty five. Yeah, I do. His power is real, man. Yep. Yeah, yes, it is. I've come around on him some. I mean, his he, he still doesn't get on base much, but he's just got a lot of power. He was really struggling there in the first two weeks of the year, and everybody was saying he was the biggest darling in terms of production compared to actual underlying stats. He was the guy who was the most unlucky there in the first few weeks, and he's been blasting the ball out of the park since then. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to the biggest downer news for the week, and that happened with Tyler Glass now. I think it was Friday. I don't remember the exact day, but... He was starting a game, I think it was the sixth inning, and he left it with a forearm strain. And on Saturday, they announced that he's resting for four to six weeks with a mild forearm strain, which I got to say, four to six weeks sure doesn't sound mild to me, especially when you're talking about forearm strains, which sometimes leads to Tommy John surgery. And I hate to use those words here, but I would be very concerned if I was an owner that that could be coming. Yeah, I don't, I don't know for sure on that, but it uh, it's definitely not good. It sucks for uh, for owners. I have him in one league too, where I've got a kind of a tough decision to make. It's 
It's 12-team redraft, and it's no DL. And I, I honestly don't know if I want to hang on to him. I, I can't decide. It's a tough call. That's a tough spot right there. You were telling me about that last really, night. Where it's, yeah, it's really no, tough. With no DL in a league that shallow, it's just, and I shouldn't, in a 12-team league, I mean, there's quality players probably on the free agency right now. Yeah. And four to six weeks, and you never know, that turns into six to eight. And I think your exact words were, once you decide to hold them for four to six, you're almost pot committed at that time to keep holding them and. That's tough. I think I would throw him back. I think I'd See, have to. The thing is, is if I knew right now, okay, if I absolutely knew that six weeks from right now he would come back and be Tyler Glass now that he's been, I'd hang on to him. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But one, I don't believe these timelines for one because – what happens is, is it goes through this, it'll go through this process and then it's like, oh, he's young. We're going to take our time with him, you know, but you won't hear this for a couple of weeks. So, and then it'll, it'll all start to, it'll drag a little longer, a little longer. And then there's also the element of he comes back and he's not exactly what he's been. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. I, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I still don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't know. It's a tough call. It is a. It is like it's the only twelve team league I'm in. So the there is more talent on free agency than I'm typically used to. But it also there's still no Tyler Glasnow's out there. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like it's it's not like it's that good. So I I would be dropping him for a player that is not as good, obviously. But yeah, it's just it's a tough. It's a really tough one. And this hurts owners. I mean, he was not going in the top 100. I don't think he was going in the top 150 in drafts, maybe even 200. And he's been a guy whose performance early on has been a difference maker for teams and leagues. And now they've lost him. And I hope he's back because baseball is better when guys like this are playing. Yeah. It's a real possibility that if – this turns into the next one thing turns into the next. I mean, if Tommy John surgery is announced, we may not see him till 2021. So I hope, yeah, I hope he's okay. I don't, I don't think that'll be the case, but yeah, it's always, you always wonder forearm strains. They're scary, but yeah. I, I, I hope it's not. All right. Let's talk about Addison Russell. He got his first start on Wednesday after returning from his suspension and playing second base and, that's where the Cubs are saying he's going to play at. Andrew, I'm going to leave the personal stuff out of this. We're talking fantasy, and that's for somebody else to talk about. But if he's out there, and what do you think his value is in a 15-team redraft league right now? Do you? What are your expectations for him? Um, I don't really have a lot of expectations. I don't think he has a lot of value in those formats. I or. I think it's kind of just mostly a wait and see kind of thing. I mean, he's never, I've always liked him, the player, obviously the um, just talking about that aspect of it. I, I, I liked him, you know, coming up kind of as a prospect and he's kind of just always been a disappointment. And now he's had this time off and it's like, 
he's never quite lived up to the billing and he's never really been like the difference maker type in fantasy. And I don't really feel like there's a reason for me to think that's going to change until I see it. So for now, I'm just kind of whatever on him in a 15 team redraft. Even it's, he could carve out a little value, but I don't think it's going to be anything crazy. Yeah. I'm just looking it up, trying to see where he's been hitting in the lineup. He's, not start. He didn't start Saturday. Where was he in the lineup on Friday? Do you remember? I'm trying to look it up right now. Oh, he was in the eight hole. That hurts. You definitely don't feel great about National League hitters hitting in the eighth hole unless his name's Mikel Franco. Yeah. Okay. And it's hard. It's kind of tough to get to the top too. I, I don't really know if he's going to be getting at yeah. the top anytime soon. I agree. All right, well, there have been some demotions this past week or two that are noteworthy. Miami demoted Lewis Brinson. I didn't even notice that. I think you were the, we were talking about that in Chicago, and you're the one that brought that to my attention. Carter Keboom, he was demoted by the Nats when Rendon returned from the injured list. And Tampa promoted Nate Lowe since we recorded last on two Mondays ago. And then he was demoted this past week, midweek, when Austin Meadows returned. Andrew... First question, in a 12 or team league, are any of these guys worth holding on to, or would you drop all of them if in a league like that where there's quality out there? 12-team redraft, they're all gone. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Are you going to try hanging on to any of them in a 15-team league? Um, It's mostly situational. I, Brinson, no. Uh, Keyboom and Lowe, I kind of want to say no, but I also would wouldn't be opposed to if it's just a stash that you have on your bench, and if you're if you don't if you're not carrying anybody else, you know it's it's kind of tough to carry multiple guys like that. But yeah, if you're not seeing anything else out there and you can afford to stash one, I think it's fine. I'd probably stash low before Keeble. Agreed. I was about to say, I think Lowe's the only one I'm really trying to make an effort to hold on to. Yeah. I could see him being back up in the next month, give yeah. it about four weeks. It sucks. It almost goes back to your glass now thing. If you decide to hold on to somebody, you're almost pot committed for a little while. Yeah. As compared to just it's, letting them sit there being a zero. It's tough in the in these redrafts because, you know, you can also be missing out on guys that, end up breaking out and stuff just because you're trying to hold a guy that you don't know when he's going to be back. So it's tough. All right. Well, let's move on to positives. And there are two pitchers that I thought I'd bring up here that are off to excellent starts that come out of nowhere. And that's Miami pitcher, Caleb Smith and Tigers pitcher, Matthew Boyd. Boyd is currently four and two with a two, eight ERA with 63 strikeouts and 53 innings. And I remember Boyd from, I think it was 2015, the year the Royals won the World Series. I live not too far from Kansas City, and I was up there for work that uh, in September. They were geared for the playoffs. The stadium was rocking that night. I had not seen Kauffman Stadium like that. And Matthew Boyd actually started against the Royals that night. And I think the Royals put up like something like a 12 or 15 count on him that night. They'd, not all of them were his earned runs, but... They crushed him, and man, he's off to a great start. And it seemed, 
it seems like it could be legit here. So, Andrew, how convinced are you of these two guys that barely anyone seemed to have seen coming? Pretty convinced. Uh, even more so on uh, on Caleb Smith for me. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they both uh, they both seem pretty legit. It all seems to line up. Caleb Smith is just going crazy. I mean, I I want to say I looked the other day; he was leading the NL in uh, swinging strike rate, or he was second. I mean, he's right there. Fifty six uh, strikeouts, forty two innings. I'm not surprised. Yeah, he's just yeah, he's just pitching phenomenal. So I pretty much believe. I mean, I. There will be some regression, obviously, but, yeah, I think they're both uh, startable in pretty much every league you can name. Congratulations to those of you who drafted or picked every, those guys up. Yeah, every start is what I mean, not startable. I said that yeah. wrong, but, yeah, just like you're starting them every start right now. It's just until they give you a reason not to in, yep. in every size league. So, so congratulations. Congrats to you guys who own them. You've got to step up coming out of those drafts that you did in March. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge because those guys were largely ignored. Uh-huh. I was too busy drafting Chris Sale early, but the good news is it looks like he's back. He had a fantastic outing on Wednesday, striking out 14 batters in eight innings and giving up only one run. He now, granted, it was Baltimore, but he's been pretty good the previous few starts also. And I remember when we had Tim McLeod on the podcast a few weeks back and Sale was really struggling. And I asked who you'd rather have between Castillo and Sale. And Tim took Castillo. And not saying I even blame him for doing it. And Castillo's continued pitching well. But props to you, Andrew, for standing firm and saying, nope, you'd rather have Sale. Because right now that's looking good for you also. I just just never really worried. I mean, if the guy's hurt, he's hurt. But if he's not, we, we know what he is. So. You know, among the best pitchers in the league, obviously. He's he's fine. I haven't looked at the velo charts for these last few starts. I've been meaning to do so. But more often than not now, whenever we have these early April games and I hear that a pitcher's velocity is down, a starting pitcher that is one of the elite guys, I don't worry as much as I used to because it seems like this does happen every year where somebody's velo is down because it's cold weather and then all of a sudden an adjustment a mechanical adjustment or just as the weather warms up things change i think sale is the example for that this year and i would feel perfectly comfortable with him going forward i think he's going to be right back to being that ace yep agreed let's talk about tommy Lastella and what the heck is going on with that guy he came into 2019 with a baseball journeyman with 10 home runs in the major leagues and just under 400 games played. And this year he has nine home runs after hitting two more on Thursday afternoon. I think he may have hit another one since I think I looked, I may be wrong. He may have 10 home runs now. What on earth is going on here? And is this version of him real life or is this make believe? Uh, I think it's make believe. Uh, I mean, he's he's hitting the ball in the air a little bit more, but yeah, I don't, I just can't, I just can't buy that it's going to continue. I mean, maybe a little more so than we've known in the past if he keeps hitting the ball in the air, but yeah, I just, I can't, I can't buy into it. 
Do you know what? It's, there's just some funny stats looking at his Fangraphs page. I don't know if you've looked at it, but for starters, he has a 10% walk rate right now and a 6% strikeout rate. <laughs> with a 260 batting average that is coming with a 200 BABIP. It's just insane. What, it's wild. Like, it, the numbers are saying, saying that he should be even better than he is. He's got a 25% home run to fly ball rate, which, yeah, that's not pretty, but his career fly ball percentage is 31%, and so far it's up pretty close to 40, and his hard hit rate's really high, too, to where it's hard to question it looking at a fan graph page but it's tommy la stella <laughs> it's just yeah. hard to believe that this could actually be who he is now but who knows there Sometimes... are there are guys that make changes and it's mm-hmm. like when you least expect it you know it's i'm not completely ruling it out i guess but i just going forward i it's just so hard for me to buy into that from this specific one it's just tough yeah uh, Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, those have been a couple guys the last few years that have just done this. And who knows, maybe the 2019 version of those guys is La Stella, but it is hard to believe. All right. Uh, things sure don't sound good for AJ Pollock right now. His right elbow has an infection and he's on the injured list. And it sounds like a best case scenario for him is he's out for two months. And there's a chance he's done for the season, which. This is a tough news for the Dodgers. Well, all right, let me rephrase that. Um, they have ridiculous depth. It's probably not as big of a deal for that team as it is for fantasy owners who have him. Yeah, it's kind of funny that the Dodgers play in a league with 30 teams and they're fine. And <laughs> teams in like 15 team leagues are probably hurting because of it. <laughs> Next, that's all it's they kind have to of, do. Uh, yeah kind of ridiculous but yeah i really don't i really don't even think it affects the dodgers much they just you know plug in the next guy and don't lose much um as for pollock i mean i can't say i'm surprised he's always hurt it sucks it is what it is but that's the same elbow that was the big injury there i don't remember now it probably was like four or five years ago i know i was still playing in my home league at that time whenever he had that big injury right there at the beginning of the season and missed the whole year. And I think it was less than that. More recent than that? Yeah, I think it's been more recent than that. Well, I but. guess my last time playing in that league was 2016. I bet that was the year it happened. So, yeah, that would have been three years ago. It was at least that because I do remember it was in my home league that I quit after 16. But, yeah, yeah. it could have been. It, it, probably somewhere in the middle then. Uh, I'm going to bring up a good post on the Facebook page, Baseball 365 Facebook. I'll plug that real quick while I'm here, while I'm thinking about it. If you haven't joined yet, go join us. We're having great conversations on there. and We just passed 1,300 members. But Brian Crump had a great question that he was asking last weekend, and it was about Jose Altuve and where he goes in 2020 drafts. Because as of Friday night when I was writing this up, he had a 243 batting average and one stolen base. Now, he does have nine home runs, but power is something that a lot of people have right now. And if he's not running and the average is not this league-leading batting average that we're used to out of Altuve, I mean, the value may be dropping here. What do you think, Andrew? 
Well, it's slightly awkward with the context of it because he's now injured. He just went on the IL, too. So, yep. and that hurts also. That changes. I mean, I don't think that changes things drastically from what they were, but just something to add to it. Uh, as far as him as a hitter, I, I still believe he's a great hitter, but the lack of steals and the, you know, you don't project him to be a huge power hitter. He's had, he's had some power this year, but, um, you don't project it to be a lot of that. I would say as far as where, what was the question? Like where we would take him next mm-hmm. year? Yeah. Or where do you think he would go? Yeah. What kind of range uh, you think he'll go? It's really hard when you don't have, you know, you don't have the list, a list of everybody, but I would probably guess right now, if we were drafting for 2020, third, fourth round, something like that, I think would probably be, I, I, I don't really see him going in the second because he was going there coming into the year and he's lost, he's not running at all. I mean, that's, and that's a lot, that's a lot of his game. You know, if, if he's not getting you steals, then that changes everything. So yeah. I definitely downgrade him. Definitely. But I, that said, that said, I mean, I still think he's a really good hitter, right? It's just, you know, like the 243 average and stuff that doesn't bother me at all. I, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll hit right around 300. Like he generally does, you know? Yeah. That 243 average is coming with a 234 BABIP. He's striking out 15% of the time, which is up from his career rate, but he's also putting the ball in the air more, and I think that's part of it. And he's also walking at a career high in this early going quarter way of the season to where I think I would uh, – I'm curious. I think he was a early second rounder, and I could still see him going there at the 2-3 wheel. Maybe I'm being too optimistic there, but I just have to look. There's people that'll buy into track record too. I mean, I get that, but I'm just saying that if the steals are going away, which, uh, you know, as far as if they are or not, I mean, I'm not sitting here saying that because he has one through 39 games that it's the end of him running, but Mm -hmm. he's also not doing it. It's just, it's, um, it's a big part of who he has been though. That's, kind of the general point i guess and if those are missing then it turns into an average guy with some pop but it's a lot less interesting that's for sure yeah and he's one for three on attempts he's attempted two other times and been caught to where maybe he's been told to slow it down on the running or maybe because they're such a good team they're just not wanting to push they don't have that team doesn't have to steal bases with how loaded their lineup is. Maybe there's part of that to it, but I still I think I'd project them for somewhere between ten and twenty, tw- ten to twenty in the teens on stolen bases next year. If it was me guessing, I think this is a little light, but who knows? There are times where guys just stop running. Yeah, and the other thing is too is they don't they don't have to manufacture runs. No, like. Their top five of their lineup, and it's about it should be six when Jordan comes up, which 
should be any time now, I would think. But the top part of their lineup is so loaded that he doesn't have to run. It just, you know, they, they don't need to put pressure on to score runs. They just hit and hit, you know. You just made me think of two other Astros things to bring up. One of them will, as Jordan, do you think he's leapfrogged, tuck, lop, leapfrogged Tucker and he's the next guy up? Um, I don't know if he's leapfrogged Tucker in terms of the Astros because Tucker's on the 40-man and Jordan mm-hmm. isn't. But, yes, I think he's leapfrogged Tucker as, like, a player. Yeah, I do. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I – I'll put it this way. If an injury happened to an outfielder or they made a move to put somebody in the outfield, I think Tucker would be the first guy up. But when we, when we do our prospect rankings, whenever we do them the next show or we've been talking about, we'll probably mention at the end of the podcast, I will have Jordan ahead of Tucker. I can assure you of that. Yeah. And you'll, But Tyler White over there, I don't think he has a home run yet for the Astros, does he? I think I remember hearing um, somebody say he doesn't have one or maybe he yeah. has one. I don't think he does. Yeah, maybe one. To where, that's where I think, I, I do think Jordan might be the next guy up, but I think it'll be at first base as compared to the outfield. If an injury yeah. happened to an outfielder, I'm saying Tucker's up. Yeah, it could be. But the other thought, you just mentioned their top five and made me think of Michael Brantley. We were pumping him up before the year, and my God, he's already got 10 home runs. That's just amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I know. They were talking today about so they had him in the DH spot and he was they said on the broadcast that he hates DHing. Uh-huh. And then they then they said he's batting like five hundred as a DH this year. So <laughs> So the announcers were like, I like it. I like when he DHs. Three, I mean it's four, not a ton of not over a ton of at bats, of course, but I mean the guy's hitting three forty. And usually when you're hitting that high, your Babip's sky high. His Babbitt's 331. He's a machine. He is incredible. Michael Brantley, Michael Brantley is a machine. He is a hitting machine. Yes. Like, I could watch him hit all day. Like, bat to ball, he is, like, the best. I, I, I just, I love him. Were you the one that shared that stat on the, in the yeah. Rotomasters chat? Yeah. What, didn't no. he go, like, 21 games without a I, swing and miss or something? I think I mentioned it on here. It was 40 games without a swing and miss, I think, on a ball in the strike zone or something like that. This something must have like just that. happened again because somebody just said that he's got on another one of those type of oh, runs. Oh, yeah, no, he, yeah, just, just recently, yeah. He had... Um, I think they said it was like 22 games uh-huh. without a swing and miss or something. Yeah, <laughs> something ridiculous like that. I don't got know a exactly. Ball in the zone. I don't know exactly on the. I don't think that was even on a ball in the zone. I think it was just swing and miss. Period. Incredible. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. You know, you don't throw the words "80 grade hit tool" out there often, but I'd say that guy's got it too. Yeah. Yeah, it's remarkable. All right. Well, we'll get off the Astros and we'll go back. We'll go to the. Baseball 365 Facebook group. I did post middle of last week to bring us some questions to talk about. We had some good ones asked that I thought we'd discuss here. And a couple of these I'm actually putting into my back pocket for future episodes because they were so good. But we'll start with Jeremy Gibbs. He asked us about Keyboom and Lowe, who we covered earlier. But he also asked about potential call-ups that could happen by June. Andrew? Of the guys in the minors, who do you think are guys that owners should be making sure are not on the waiver wire right now? 
Uh, making sure they're not on the wire. I don't think there's too many of those. I mean, I think a lot of leagues, Jordan's been picked up. He's like the obvious name right now. Um, I would probably be keeping an eye out on uh, Jorge Mateo. They've been playing him at second which they hadn't played him at second at the beginning of the year. They've been playing him more at second lately. And um, it's not one of those guys that I can promise is going to come up and be awesome. You know, there's been hit tool questions and stuff like that. But the one thing I do know is when he gets called up, he's going to be added in every league because of his legs. Like, it's just... Everybody, because you know how much we crave speed. So um, he's somebody I'd be uh, maybe getting in early on. Possibly Brendan Rodgers, but uh, you know, like we've mentioned with the Rockies and stuff, it's that's they're tough to predict. That was going to be the one I mentioned, um, Brendan Rodgers, just because the Cubs or the Rockies have not gotten what they were hoping to get out of McMahon and Hampson. Both of them are struggling. And meanwhile, Rogers is having a heck of a season down in the farm. Now he did just get drilled in a head by a pitch last night. I don't know. Did you see that on the baseball group? Yeah, I saw it. I watched the highlight of it. I'm really hoping that's not anything serious because I think there's, he walked off and everything. I I don't think it's too bad. When I was watching it live, I didn't think it really stung him. And the, like, it looked like it hit the top of his helmet as compared to going straight into the ear. So, yeah, hopefully he's okay. But Mateo is also interesting. I, you and I have talked about him a lot the last few days privately because that guy was an 80 grades runner is what the grade they were putting on him whenever he was coming up. And I know he's bulked up some and he's stealing bases. He's got nine steals in the last 30 days, nine for his last 10. As I look, I was more concerned about him, even the running, because I think he stole 19 bases last year and was caught 10 times. And even early this year, it wasn't as high of a percentage, but you were telling me he hadn't been caught much lately. And as I'm looking right now, nine for 10, but it's the skills that's the real surprise to me. And again, in the last 30 days, I'm looking right now, his strikeout rate is at 18% and he's walking at 5.8%, which you'd think that's low, but for him, that's actually pretty good. And the strikeout rate I mean, he's really struggled with that to where it seems like maybe he's made some adjustments and he's finally getting the bat on the ball. But I don't know. I'm not quite as optimistic on him as terms of I worry about him coming up and struggling. I've told you, I think if I had him in a dynasty, I'd personally be selling. But if I'm wrong, it'll really look bad because speed like that is hard to find. Yeah, that's the main the main reason. I even mentioned him as he's playing really good this year. I've heard people say he looks like a whole new guy and he's back and all this stuff. And then it's like you add to that what he brings to the table potentially. I mean, granted, it may not happen, but it's also like at this point right now, it's a pretty cheap investment if you just wanted to grab him just to see. Because yep. I feel like they could call him up and – like it's no secret that his uh standout tool is his speed and like i said we all we're all looking for that so you know we were hopeful of cole tucker a month ago you and i both were 
pumping him up as he got called up and really excited about him, put some fab in to get him. And that didn't work out. He's been hitting in the eight hole and hasn't been that great, but it's hard to even blame him in the national league. When you're in the eight hole, it's hard to succeed. But, um, I picked, I picked up Cole Tucker in that auction league where I started off poorly, really need a, a jolt that didn't go well. I picked up Nate Lowe and now he's back in the minors. That didn't go well. I also, in that same league, I don't think I even told you, I picked up Mateo, I think, two weeks ago, and I picked him up for zero, a $0 fab bid, just as a desperation. I need something to click. And so I even followed that advice and picked him up, even though I'm not sure I'm picking him up just because I've got a spot there that I don't see anybody else out there that makes a difference. And he's a guy, if he got called up and I'm wrong, he could make a huge difference. The other the other thing, too, is... Jurickson Profar has been terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has just been terrible. So the combination of them playing Mateo at second lately, more than they were at the beginning of the year, and Profar being terrible, and Mateo playing well, I mean, you can kind of connect the dots on that. I'm looking at Mateo or Profar's page right now after you said that, and I knew he'd had a terrible start and was getting hot and hitting better last night I left off with him, but yeah, still hitting 181 right now. Four homers, three seals. But as I look, though, I mean, he's playing in a tough ballpark compared to playing in Texas his whole career before then, but 184 Babip. Whew, that's some bad luck, too, especially when he's not striking out, but 15 Yeah, but if, they, but if they take away his opportunity, what yeah. does it matter? Then it, like, you know, we've yeah. said this before. It's like, I get that it's bad luck, but at some point they stop. They don't. Yep. It's not like, you know, it's not like they're sitting there a lot of times and like, oh, his Babip's low. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if he's hitting 181 to them, he's hitting 181. A lot of times they don't even give you the chance to get out of it. So, yep. Ask Garrett Hampson. Yeah. I was just looking to see where they are in the standings. 19 and 22. So they need a jolt, too. Yeah, to where I yeah, who you just knows? never you just never know. You don't know. All right, Jordan. Um, going going back to the question though, Jordan's the obvious name. I I would just make sure Jordan's not on on waivers. Jordan Alvarez. Yep. Everybody else in the minors right now probably isn't a huge deal as far as an imminent call up, but uh the gallon i didn't think of him till now zach gallon with the miami marlins that's yeah. been a popular name too lately he's yeah. been pitching real well down there he'd be another one worth checking on yeah yeah for sure all right mike cangiano asked about sam huff and i honestly had to go up and look him up to see who he was i didn't even know uh apparently he's a 21 year old catcher for the rangers in a ball who is hitting a lot of home runs in 30 games, he has 15 home runs and 29 RBI with a 333 batting average. Andrew, do you know anything about Sam Huff? I've seen he's been like crushing, crushing, but he's not really a prospect. I, at least not until right now, if he even is one. But um, yeah, I know he's had he's had an awesome start to the year. 15 uh, homers in 33 games. That's just silly. <laughs> Apparently, he was just called up to high A because now he's up. He's played two games in high A since I last looked. But yeah. I don't know. When you're in low A as a 21-year-old catcher striking out 32% of the time and walking 5% of the time, those home runs are great and all. But that tells me that there's still some serious holes in your swing. And 
I'm not interested. I'm, I don't think I would even be looking to grab him in a league with 300 minor leaguers owned. I'm probably not even bothering. Yeah, probably not me either. There might be worse. There's probably worse guys that are owned, but yeah, I probably would be on for the most part, not have dropping guys that I have for him. Yeah. Regardless, 15 home runs in 30 games. That's impressive oh, yeah, and worth bringing up. Because that's in low A. That's not even in the triple A where the ball's juiced. Right. <laughs> All right. Michael Lavery. Lavery, I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce that right. Asked about Kelvin Gutierrez. Does he have value in deep leagues? And I did some digging on this. And I think if it's a deep, deep enough league and you want to take a flyer, sure. But I don't think I'm really sold on him as far as what the here and now when i was looking a few days ago he had a 300 batting average with a home run and 10 rbis in 10 games but striking out over 29 percent of the time and not walking at all and personally i think he's fine as a stash but i don't think there's much in the underlying numbers that gives me much excitement only i think 32 percent hard ball hard contact when i looked and a 14% fly ball rate and a 64% ground ball, which, again, we're talking 10 games, but that shows that that performance, he's had some luck there in those first few games, and I don't really see much here. Agree or disagree, Andrew? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Agree with everything okay. you said, pretty much. And Ke- Kevin Obarski, he asked us about the top 10 prospect list that I Andrew brought up a mo- earlier, and I thought that was a great question, and I think we're going to try doing this on the next podcast. And I, I'm adding a caveat to it, which is that um, we're, we're going to make a top 10 prospect list. Andrew and I both are, except they can't have any players who have been called up to the major leagues or were called up in the past and are now in the minors. I think that would make it a little fun to see because guys like Vlad Jr. and Eloy – Pete Alonzo, those guys would be in the tent, top 10, and we've talked about them. They're already up, but I think it'd be nice just to talk about the top 10 and kind of talk about the prospects and see how they're doing so far since we really t- mostly talk about what's going on in the big leagues. Yeah, we'll just do like guys that are have basically haven't had a major league at bat yet or something. Yep. That sounds good. I like it. So let's move on to transactions that we've made for our fantasy teams this last week. And Andrew, I know there's an Oakland pitcher that you've been moving to grab in a few leagues that I think I have a share of them also, but why don't you talk about who you've been grabbing? Oh yeah, no, I just, I'm just kind of digging Chris Bassett lately. Mostly just because he's free, you know, like he's been on, it's not like you, pay anything for him, pick him up in fab. And I grabbed him in a couple dynasty leagues, pitched him this week. I think he had nine strikeouts, gave up a couple homers, which you don't like to see, but he's pitching really good. I mean, for a guy that it's, you know, it's been four starts, but K rates high swinging strike rates. Good. Um, yeah, it's been good so far. So it's kind of one of those guys you just ride it as long as you can, but Sometimes these guys last longer than you expected, so just wait it out and see. I'm sure at some point he'll get blown up in my lineup, but for now, I'm using him. Yeah, he's pitching really well right now, and the underlying stats, I'm looking at his page right now, his Sierra is at 3.2, and his XFIP's at 3.14. So the underlying stats show that what he's doing, he's performing really well so far in his first stint here in the bigs. Or I guess not first, he was up 
he's been up for a few years, but it looks like we're seeing a skill improvement here. Yeah, he he's like 30 years old. I mean, it's not like a prospect or anything. It's just, um, yeah, he's just he's been pretty good. I mean, I was looking at, I think his swinging strike rate has been right there with Cindergard so far and Bauer, and not that that's going to continue necessarily over time, but so far has been good. It's like why not just pitch him? It's a lot of a lot of pitchers going down and you know needing guys and. He's pitching good right now. He's going to be in Oakland's rotation at least for a while here. So, mm-hmm. just been kind of just been kind of following him lately. Yeah, I like it. I have not had a good run on Fab pickups that I've been making or suggesting here on this podcast lately. I picked up Nate Lowe for big, like I said a couple weeks ago. And between him, Cole Tucker, pumping up Eric Swanson on this podcast a few weeks ago, <laughs> I don't think I've had a great run here of guys to pick up, but. I did pick up somebody in a dynasty league, Sky Bolt, the Oakland outfielder who was called up by the A's last weekend, and he's already been sent back down but early this week, But so he didn't get much of a shot. But I want to bring him up, and if, if you're in a dynasty league and you're not competing, I think, and you're like, the dynasty leagues I play in, the league rules are you can't, you have to, prospects can only be put in the minor league slots until they've played a game in the bigs, and then they can be, in the major leagues or the minor leagues there, if they are still in the minor leagues. And for a guy like Bolt, if you've got a real deep farm system, this is a guy that you could actually pick up and put in a major league reserve slot if you're not competing. And while I'm not saying Bolt is going to be great, I don't know. But if he landed playing time, I think he could be something similar to what Ramon Laureano looked like last year in terms of that type of player you could be hopeful for. I'm not saying apples to apples here but that'd be what you could kind of hope file hope for and their profiles kind of seem similar to me yeah i i haven't followed him too much i think he could be okay but a lot of it with those guys it's it really is just ultimately comes down to opportunity and how much of it they get yep and it's a guy who it's not a big deal if you cut him and pick him up, pick somebody else up who's helping you if you see something. But if you're not competing and you've got scrubs in those minor league reserves, major league reserve slots, worth a pickup just to hold on to, just in case he does come up and does something. And another interesting guy that is was picked up a lot last weekend was Josh Van Meter with the Cincinnati Reds. He's an infielder who can play a lot of different positions. And in 30 games in AAA, he was hitting 336 with a 431 on-base percentage and 13 home runs, leading to a call-up. And given Jose Peraza's really struggled early on this year, Van Meter may have an outside shot to get himself a starting gig if he gets hot. And small sample size so far, but uh, I think in his first 12 at-bats when I looked, he had one strikeout and one walk, and he has a steal already. Do you? What about him, Andrew? Do you have, have you know much about him? Yeah, I, just, I know he's been hot. I don't really have too much interest in him. I mean, I think he'll kind of fall to the wayside here shortly. But, yeah, he's been really good in uh, AAA this year. Yeah. And finally, Corbin Martin, that's one that was a late call-up. He was announced by the Astros to be starting today, I think it was. And he should be pitching this afternoon. If you look to see how he's doing so far, Andrew, I'm trying to look it up right now. Five innings, three hits, one run, eight Ks, no walks. Ooh. 
awesome game. 71, I, 71 pitches through five, so he may go another. Uh, they're up 10 to one, so they probably won't push him. Maybe another inning, but. Jeez, Bregman with two more home runs this afternoon. Springer, that guy. Sp- Springer and Bregman. Oh, my yeah. gosh. They are just. That's my RM2 team right there. And Brantley, like we said, with the three, the 10 home runs, Correa has nine. Uh, yeah, it's just They're not just fun facing that team right now. Yeah. And who just, knows, maybe in a few months, you could have Alvarez and Kyle Tucker down there. Who Tucker, we were talking about Alvarez. Tucker had an awful start to the year, but he's been much better in the last few weeks, too. I think really three or four weeks, he's been hitting a lot of home runs and hitting for a better average, making better contact. Yeah, just, they they have got to get Alvarez up. I, yeah, it's just like they've just got to make the move. To, it, I feel like it is coming soon. I think, I think within a month, within the next month, maybe sooner. It could be tomorrow. I mean, but mm-hmm. within within a month, I think no later than like this time in June, like early to mid June. I think he's up. Yep, I agree. Okay, well. I think that's all the notes I have for today to talk about, Andrew. Um, we've talked about what we're going to try to get back to next next episode. We're talking about prospects. And I think down the line, I want to bring up pitchers. We'll take a look at XFIP and see positive and negative who has big differences. I don't know if we'll do that next episode, but maybe the one after or in the next few weeks, because that's always fun to look at. See what's being lucky and unlucky, but... I guess yeah, maybe that, uh maybe a prospects one here or something. Yep, do that next maybe. Okay, well hopefully we'll get back on schedule and keep getting you guys out at least one podcast a week, and that's the goal here. And I, is there anything else you want to plug before we get out of here? No, not really. Your uh, how's your te- team's doing any better? I know you no. said it was bad last time. <laughs> no, it's about the same. Uh, the draft and hold team, I'm still hanging around in there. I think Chris Sale rebounding has been nice for me. And I was just looking up the RBI lead, or I saw that in that team league, I had I was in first place in RBI. Kind of surprised me, and I went and looked, because that was the league where four of my first five or six picks were pitchers. And I went and looked, and Jose Abreu has been doing well for me. I think the guy's got like 32 RBI in 36 games or something yeah. like that. And Domingo Santana between those guys to where if Sales starts pitching well, maybe I can creep myself back in there. God, if Luis Severino can ever get back and be healthy, I could really use help from him. But that that's hurt. But outside of that, my other three leagues I play in, there's no competing this year. I did just make a few trades this last week. I guess we could talk about those. I um made Dynasty. a complete yeah. Dynasty. Oh yeah, yeah, the one I know. The I know about the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I ended up making the biggest homer trade ever, and I haven't asked your thoughts. I'll ask them. Um, I own Luis Castillo, and I was sitting there talking with a guy in Rotomasters two, and we haggled over a lot of different big trades, and we couldn't come to an agreement. But he has Jack Flaherty, and I'm a Cardinal fan, and I own Luis Castillo, who's pitching better than Flaherty so far this year, but. A few years younger, and honestly, I think they're pretty much equal in Dynasty. And I made my first ever completely homer trade making that deal. It was a weird yeah, one for up, me, but trade. let me ask you. 
and the dynasty. I don't care if you'd rather have the other side. Which of those two guys would you rather have? Or do you really just? Uh, yeah, I, I'll be honest. When I when I looked at it, I was like, "That's dead even." Uh-huh. Like it, it was. <laughs> yeah, Castillo's pitching better right now. Yep. But I've always liked Flaherty too. Yeah, it's. I think it's dead even. So, <laughs> like they were, like one of the guys was saying, what well, might as well have the guy on your team. Yep, and on, that's your fa- exa- on your uh, on your favorite team, like real life team. That's exactly why I did it. I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to take the Cardinal here if I can make this yeah. deal happen. It was funny, but I um, I bought low on Danny Jansen too. I am a big fan of Danny Jansen, and I hoping to that he ends up turning around. Maybe not this year, but in that same dynasty league, I made a move for him. I traded Kiebert Ruiz and oh Madrigal. Let's see, Ruiz, Madrigal, and my second catcher, Hedges. It's a two-catcher league, and I move got Jansen in a first-round pick, which I'm hopeful it should be an early, at least an early half of a draft pick. So I made a couple deals this week, and then I finally traded Witt in my other dynasty. I um, but had him on the block in that dynasty startup that we talked about a couple months ago, and I moved Witt, and let's see, what was the deal? I gave up Witt. And Ronaldo Lopez, a guy who I got off free agency a, few, a month ago whenever he was cut by somebody, and I managed to finally get a haul back that I was pretty happy with. I got Nate Lowe, uh, Taylor Trammell, and a first, and I gave up Witt, Ronaldo, and a third-round pick. So I finally unloaded Witt, and I was proud because I said, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but my goal was to, when I drafted Witt, I'm like, I think he's going too low here. He doesn't fit my team, but... I'm just going to trust my ability to be able to trade that guy. And I was pretty pumped with my return there. Yeah, I thought you did good there. Yeah. Good return for him. Have you made any big transactions in your leagues this last week or two, trade-wise? No, no trades really. No, nothing lately. Hmm. Working, on a couple, working on a couple different ones, but nothing's happened yet. I think you're always working on a couple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know I know one of them that you're talking about, and... Hopefully yeah. you'll be able to talk about that next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But okay, well, let's get out of here. I appreciate you. Happy, all. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Anybody, any, if any women listen to this show, <laughs> <laughs> which I doubt, but <laughs> didn't your mom listen to your first, the first episode? Yeah, she listened to one. Yeah, <laughs> I think her and my dad listened to, it, but they don't listen. It's not like they're listening, you know. No. No, I don't know of any female listeners we have. So if you actually are a female listener and you have Twitter, go follow us. Baseball 365 pod is our Twitter and send me a tweet. letting me know you've listened to an ep- this episode. That'd make my day if I knew we had one. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm expecting zero of those. <laughs> I, I am too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get out of here. Take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, 
please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.